This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet. I am very, very excited about today's program because I've got a legend with me here in the fitness industry and in the personal coaching industry as well, and that's Bedros Koulian. So, Bedros, thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we finally connected and that we're doing this yeah, because this is one of the, just so you know, um, great American success stories, immigrant business success stories, but any type of American business success story, but one of the great minds in business too. Those of you that want to grow your brand, grow your company, this is one of the great minds in the world that can help you do that, and we're going to get in that brain of yours today, so I'm looking forward to this. Let's do it. Very much. Ironically, everybody, I should tell you, it's such a small world that Bedros's building is next door to the building that I spent five years building my company. In fact, from his office, you can look into my old office. And my mom and dad actually can look in his building from where they live here. So it's a very small world. Ain't, ain't that a small world, It's though, crazy. Right? It's crazy. And I'm very comfortable here as a result of that. You Good. made me comfortable. Good. And you know what? I feel there's some kind of a magical success influence because you were right here within the 100 yards of yes. our building no before question. I ever got here. I used to come over here and sprinkle the dust on the building before you got here. I knew yeah, it. I did. Yeah. That's, that's why I think so. I should get some percentage of this you should. You should. You should own at least yeah. at least 10% yeah, of it. Like at least this yeah. part of the building or something. <laughs> and by the way, what an impressive operation, everybody. If you, you want to build a culture that grows a company, and this is the epitome of a great culture, a great environment run by a great leader, you can feel it when you walk around this place. So Thanks, man. So impressive. That the things you lot. say are powerful, but the example of what you've put together both in your company outside of here and in this building is so, so impressive, bro. That means a lot, man, especially coming from you. Seriously. Really, really, really true. So Thank let's you. start out a little bit. I always like to get a little background because yeah. it's kind of like you're in the fitness industry. He's the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Okay. And I say that I say that right because out of respect, it's such become such a huge and explosive brand. It's probably the fastest growing fitness franchise in the United States, is it? Yes, not? yeah. In fact, it is. We hit the Inc. Uh, five thousand list twice, and we just hit the Entrepreneur five hundred fastest growing franchise last month, and uh, we're number three fifty. Wow. Uh, and um, we've only been around since two thousand twelve as a franchise. That's amazing. That's yeah. congratulations, yeah. and yeah, that's you. amazing. Thank so you. In your business, <laughs> anybody would love to have some kind of scaling happen like that in their business. Sure. And, and, so. and th that level of scale is painful when you grow to 619 locations uh, what seems like virtually overnight wow uh, we're in you know four countries um, now but the learning experience that you get it's almost like time collapse what what I would have learned over 20 years mm. I had to learn over six seven years mm. you compressed the time yeah. frames down yeah so speaking of other countries I want to yes, go sir. back a little bit because you didn't start in this country no right and no. so it's one of the fascinating things about your story to me I'm a former communist that's unbelievable, true, right? True so, story. So, so where? So you're a former communist. That's a great way to start. Yeah. Former communist, now serial capitalist, I suppose. Right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So where do you come from? And tell me a little bit about how you grew up. Yeah, where I where I come from is Armenia, which yeah. in at the time was a part of the Soviet Union. Yep. In 1980, my dad decided that he's going to bribe the uh, the Soviet consul, and we're going to escape into Italy, and then from Italy. Wait, he bribes them? Yes, yeah. How's Dude, the story is amazing. Yeah. I just, I actually learned about it four years ago. I go, Dad, why did you bribe them? He goes, yeah. well, there's no other way to get out of a communist country, especially if you're going to go to a westernized country like the United States, okay. right? And so, and the reason he was bribing the communist uh, uh, consul was because in 1981, my brother was going to turn 20 years old, and he would have had to join the mm -hmm. Soviet army. army. And if we know history, we know that mm -hmm. the Soviet Union was fighting Afghanistan at the time. Mm -hmm. And Soviet soldiers were dying left and right. They were losing. Just yes. like we've had a hard time. There, exactly. Right? Just we, like we've, we've had turned it around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
And so my brother was going to go into the Red Army and likely lose his life, and my dad was hell-bent on not only having my brother not go, but also giving us freedom. My dad was one of those guys in Armenia. He secretly wore Ray-Bans, Jordache jeans, <laughs> yeah, uh, Adidas shoes. Yeah, he bought it from the black market. You weren't allowed to have, like, American apparel. Did he have some affinity for the United States as a result, yeah. like its culture or whatever the vision of what it was? He loved the Beach Boys and Elvis, and yeah. he was like this westernized communist. Okay. Now, people go, then, why was he a communist? Because it's true. You're born into it, though. Right? You're born into it, yeah. and they ask you, hey, do you want to be a member of the Communist Party? Okay. If you, Yeah, they ask you, but if you say no, you end up in Siberia. Wow. Right? So he has to say yes in order to support his family, but the whole time he's secretly you know, putting together money and at the time it was 25,000 rubles to bribe a member of the consult okay. to let us escape into Italy, which at the time was communist sympathizers, so it's easier to escape into a, you know, a, a sympathizing country. Didn't Reagan have some thing that if you went there, yes. was there an asylum of some sort yes. then? Yeah. Yes, if you're from a communist country and as long as you can make it here, we will bring you in. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. You're one of the few people that remember that history, yeah. well, part of history. I, I wish more people remembered it based on some of the things we see today, oh, but anyway. Thank but, you. And I yeah. wish we could somehow magically bring Reagan back, but that's a whole other... So do I. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but, but anyway, so... And my dad always wants me to state this point. He goes, anytime you're being interviewed on TV, a magazine, podcast, whatever, well, he doesn't know what a podcast is, but let's just assume he does, right? He says, you make sure you tell everyone that we entered the United States legally. Legally, And yeah. so we went into the American consult in Italy, and after two and a half weeks, got the paperwork in order to come into the United States. Your brother's 20. How old are you? Six. I'm the oops baby. So my brother's okay. 20. My sister's... 22. Okay. I'm six years old because I recently found out that I was also the oops baby. Okay. Yeah, I'm the baby that was never supposed to be. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I tell my parents, well, yeah, practicing safe sex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. That's a whole different story. Uh, yeah. Awkward talk with your right. parents. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when they're in their 80s. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where they are today. <laughs> right. But lo and behold, we come to the United States and we are immigrants. We're foreigners. My dad has only about $185, $86 in his pocket. Uh, we're living in some, he just knows one guy through a friend who has a two bedroom apartment and the second bedroom is empty. So we're st a family of five is staying in this guy's bedroom. Oh my God. In Santa Ana, wow. right? And he says, you got one month, then you have to go. Oh my God. And so the, on day two of being in the United States in, in, in Santa Ana, my dad had a paper route. By day three, he had a paper route and was pumping gas. By day four, paper route, pumping gas, and working at a pizzeria. He got my brother a job at the pizzeria. God bless him. By two weeks, brother, sister, mom, and everyone's got multiple jobs. Immediate action. Yeah. Wow. I was the breadwinner. How were you the breadwinner? I was a breadwinner because uh, my six. dad discovered that it, behind grocery stores are giant dumpsters. And in these dumpsters um, are food that's expired or maybe has a little bit of mold and got thrown away, but it's still edible if you pick off the mold. Mm. And so my dad realized that we're scraping together all this money to get ourselves an apartment. Mm. And so we can't buy food with the money. We have to move out of this guy's apartment mm. in a month. And so what he decided to do is he'd take me to the back of these grocery stores, Alpha Beta, I don't know if you remember the Alpha oh, Beta. Of course, there was yeah. one here in, in Diamond Bar. There okay, was one. right. Yeah. So yeah. there was one in Santa yeah. Ana and Anaheim, and we go to Santa Ana and Anaheim. He'd push me into the dumpsters, and to me it was like a treasure hunt. A six-year-old kid, hey, Dad, what do you think of this? Yeah, that bread's good. Milk. He'd open it, smell it, because it's expired, so the yeah. store can't sell it, yeah. but it doesn't smell sour. That's good. We have milk. We had eggs. We had vegetables, man. We had it all. And I was the breadwinner, and I look at, look at it that way now. Back then, I just looked at it as, you know, like, I can't believe we're having to go into a dumpster for food. Yeah. And I looked at it as a treasure hunt, but like, oh, this is embarrassing. You know, I'm starting to go to school, learning the language. We didn't speak English. That's crazy. We didn't understand the culture. Wow. Yeah. 
What was that like? You're a little boy going to school where you don't even speak the language, and you're in a dumpster the night before uh, fishing for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Well, and people didn't know my name was Bedros because in the dumpsters we found the Herman Munster shirt. Remember Herm, uh, of the, course. the Musters? Yeah. And so one of the clothes that fit me was this Herman Munster sweatshirt. It was a little tight, but it fit me. I was a chubby little Armenian. And uh, people started calling me Herman. Oh my yeah, gosh. yeah, yeah. Oh so I went to three elementary schools, two junior highs, two high schools. But in the three elementary schools, people called me Herman. You have got to be kidding me. I'm not. Here's the funny thing. When I went to the second <laughs> like, elementary it's school, it's funny, but it's not, right? I introduced myself to kids as That's Herman. Herman. <laughs> oh, bless and your it's heart. nuts. That's nuts. That's all I knew. Remember how we were talking earlier, yes. right? And you said you were known as Little Ed, who's shy. Yes. I was Herman. And that's, that's the unreal. script I read off of. And I had that epiphany as we were talking in the other room. Oh, my God. And uh, so that was me, man. I was a foreign kid. And, and people go, well, like, how do you do this? I mean, we ran out of money before we ran out of month sometimes. Sure. And when that happens, mom and dad have to pick between do we have lights or do we have gas, Terrible right? Decision. But we can't have both. Yeah. Um, and there was back then, there was apartments that said no kids, no pets. Mm -hmm. Now they don't have no kid apartments. Yeah. And so I would have to get snuck into different apartments. And when the landlord would see me or another tenant would see me and tell the landlord, we'd get evicted the next day. Hmm. There was no 30-day notice like there is today. You get evicted in the 80s, and off to a new city we go, a new school. I'm the foreign kid again who doesn't speak English. And, but I realize now that that adversity of being the foreign kid and not knowing how long I'm going to be there at that school, mm -hmm. if I met you, I w it became so good at building rapport and building friends yeah. because I didn't know how long we're going to be friends, Ed. Mm. We might get evicted again, or my parents decide we're moving to a new town. It's a new school. And so that skill I use today to build rapport yeah. and network. Hmm. But back then, I looked at it as a disadvantage. Hmm. It's one of my superpowers today. That's unreal. Yeah. So yeah. one of the, one of the first, I'm just processing this. That, so you went from an immigrant young boy diving in dumpsters to all of this at some point in your life. Because yeah. I think people use, I think oftentimes people will use their past to dictate their future yeah. terms. And you and I have talked a lot about how life happens for us, not to us. And that's powerful so it shaped you obviously by building this skill right like yes. this build rapport how else did that upbringing though shape you what else did it do to you you talk a little bit about i've heard you talk about like immigrant mentality as it appeals yes. to business yeah. what, does you think part of that was even happening at that time oh, and what is that dude, i was getting a phd in immigrant edge in this immigrant mentality so for example the ability to build rapport quickly because I didn't know how long I was going to be in the school. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to get along with kids, I had to make friends quickly, mm -hmm. right? And so I did that. And, of course, then we'd move on and have to build friends again. Well, today in business, I can build rapport pretty quickly. You do it amazingly well. Thank you. Thank you. Another immigrant edge or immigrant mentality that I picked up was being resourceful. So in 1983, so by this point I was eight and a half, nine years old, in one of the crappy apartments that we lived in, I got lice as a kid. And you can imagine, I'm just scratching my head, and I'm crying to my mom. And she goes, well, looks like you got lice, kid. But, again, we have only so much money coming in. We've just been in the country for a couple years. Mm. And so we can't go and buy lice treatment mm -hmm. like maybe someone else's parents can. Mm -hmm. So my mom had my dad siphon out gasoline from our old uh, Ford LTD. Oh, my God. It was like this uh, brown Ford LTD. He got two cups of gasoline. She made me double over in the grassy part of the apartment complex. She said, close your eyes, double over, don't, don't stand up. And she washed my hair with gasoline to kill the lice. Now, I remember seeing little feet all around me. Other kids were coming by and watching. They're probably thinking, this lady's about to light this foreign kid on fire. Right. But my mom, who didn't have any money to buy the lice treatment, got resourceful, resourceful. Wow. and siphoned out gasoline, had my dad siphon out gasoline and washed my hair. So today, 
when I run into obstacles as an entrepreneur, when I have coaching clients who run into obstacles, I go, all right, you don't have the resource, you don't have the money, you don't have the connection to Ed Milet, but how else can we get resourceful, mm -hmm. right? How else can we get resourceful to get the outcome that we want mm -hmm. because if we can't connect with Ed or Andy or, or Grant Cardone or Tony, whoever the person is, yes. everyone always says, I don't have X, so therefore I can't achieve outcome. Yes. Forget if X didn't exist, what other resource or resourcefulness wow. can you tap into? And that is the immigrant engine mentality that I think more people need to, but, we but, give up so quickly. Well, you know, of all the podcasts I've done, by the way, that, of all of the podcasts I've done, that word's never come up. And it's so true because the lack of it's so apparent to me. I, you probably get this too, but I'm constantly on social media getting asked questions. Some of them are great questions, but so many of them come from a scarcity or a space of not being resourceful. Like, I yeah. don't have this. I don't have that. And, and you're so right. Can now someone who's not an immigrant develop that edge, or is that just Absolutely. something you get as an immigrant? No, no. In fact, like I was telling you earlier before we started filming, one of my most requested talks when I speak is the immigrant edge talk because I've got this unique perspective that I can install into the audience. So you don't have to have come from a communist country. And I mean, we've had the KGB come into our house because they suspected my dad was up sure. to something. Yeah. And they lined us up in Armenia along the hallway and they were looking, my dad was a tailor and he would, he would make suits on the side and, and, and he would sell them to people. Is that how he accumulated this money? Yes. In yeah. addition to his job, he would make yes. this. Wow. And that's so, resourcefulness. Yeah, that is resourcefulness, right. exactly. That's the immigrant edge mentality he had. So I learned very quickly that, uh, you know, so, so anyway, the, the KGB would come in, we'd all line up against the wall, that's just how it is. And they're looking in the house, looking for chalk, uh, a meter stick, because you know, they go off the metric system, yeah. a, a needle, thread, anything to evidence that you're making suits. And he would hide stuff so well in our tiny little apartment in Armenia, they never found anything, he made enough money to pay off the communists and for us to come out here. And my dad, like he is a true American. And, See, we had to become citizens, yeah. right? Everyone else was born into a citizen. And so part of that immigrant edge mentality is while you were born as a citizen, I had to learn about what, I know what the stars and stripes actually mean, mean right? right? Yes. And when you know that that red stands for the blood loss, yep. right? And when my dad says, you make sure you tell everybody that we enter this country legally. And the reason is he believes that, and I believe the same, when you enter this country legally, you value it more, you respect it more, and therefore you're willing to be in service of others who mm -hmm. enter it. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand it's the greatest country on the, in the world yep. and people will come to it any way possible, yep. but those, you know, you know, when you earn a dollar, yep. you'll value it more than when you're given a dollar. No, it's true. I can tell you that most of my, not all, because I, I have friends who have had generations of families that have lived here. They've had family members serve in the military. They're unbelievable patriots, right? But I gotta tell you, the majority of my friends, you said, who's some of the greatest patriots you know? It's my immigrant friends because there's an appreciation for it because of where they had to come sure. from to get here. And so, so it's a contrast that I'm able to show people that without them having to go and live in a communist country and eat out of dumpsters. Right. And thankfully, maybe I've got the gift of gab or storytelling, like you said earlier, where I can share, I can draw the picture well enough where people go, I get it now. Yeah, you're one of the best communicators I've ever seen. Thank you. And I, I bet you part of that is that you had to literally work on linguistics and work on your language yeah. and articulation. And I told you when we were in the hallway earlier, I consider you to be a world-class communicator. It's a very rare skill that someone can both think and f articulate simultaneously. You do it magnificently well. And when I introduced you, I said that you were one of the great American business stories, and people are now hearing why. I mean, to come from where you came from, to end up finding yourself in a dumpster, having gasoline poured in your head, and there's a whole lot more of these stories. I wish we could get into a lot of them as well. But to come from that place to rise up to build this empire that you've built and what I love about you is you feel like you haven't built anything yet. You feel like you're just in the beginning. And I, I have a, if I could buy a stock in something, I'd be buying a stock in you and this brand here. 
because I want to tell you, I, I know where this is going. I, I, you can just see it. The writing is on the wall, literally, about where your company's going. But if you don't mind talking about it, sure. there is one other benefit that you've sort of recently tapped into that I want people to hear about this because I, I like to do a business show, but I also like to do a life show. And everybody that's listening to this, many people can relate to what I would call dysfunction in their lives. Mine was alcoholism in my family. But, you know, most people look into family and think other families are perfect. Other people's lives are perfect. So you not only had to overcome the fact that you were an immigrant and that your parents had to go through all these sacrifices, but something's recently popped up, too, that you escaped when you left there as well, if yeah. you don't mind sharing. What, tell them a little yeah. bit about that, if you don't mind. Well, so I'll preface it by telling you this. That there's a great book out there called The Body Keeps the Score. And The Body Keeps the Score is really about those who have suffered through trauma, emotional trauma, uh, father who was an alcoholic, mm -hmm. right? In my case, I was molested between the ages of four and six on a consistent basis by two older boys in Armenia. When we escaped for our freedom, what my father and mother don't realize is they saved me from that molestation. And for a young boy to experience that, you can imagine the chip and anger and rage, sure. shame and confusion that left in my heart. Mm -hmm. And while you're trying to deal with it, cope with it the best you can, a lot of it came out in, in violence and unfortunately carjackings. Mm -hmm. And I was involved in a police helicopter chase and I was not the guy in the uh, police helicopter. I was the guy in the getaway car. Uh, and it's not something I'm proud of. I, and, and so, but you could, you, there's the only way you can process through that kind of trauma yeah. is through violence, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to become a predator yourself. And I knew long ago, I would listen, did you ever listen to the Dr. Laura show when it was on All the, the radio? Oh, I did, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Laura was my first, and I don't care what people think about Dr. Laura, and she's conservative, you're, and she's do this. Right. When I didn't have a true north, and I was this raging bull, and you didn't want to get in my way because I would crush you. She's sizeless, man. You would not want to get in his way. <laughs> But I just want to hug and love people. I know you do. Yeah, you're light. No, it's true. Yeah. You're very light. We were talking about that earlier. And, but I, would, I somehow stumbled on KFI 640, some AM radio channel, and I'm listening it. to Dr. Laura, and she goes, you have two chances at a father and, and uh, son relationship, one when you're a child hmm. and one when you're the father, hmm. right? And I was like, holy smokes. And I started listening to this woman more, and she helped me stop raging out so much and becoming so violent and helped me understand the inner thoughts and the inner talks that I would have with myself that were so negative and so yeah. violent, right? Um, so anyway, all that said, I remember thinking to myself, like, why didn't my mom and dad help me when that was happening? Well, the mm -hmm. reality is they didn't know that I was being molested. They mm -hmm. were too busy trying to get together money to come to this country, right? Mm -hmm. And so the rage I had towards my parents, yeah. right, towards the babushkas, the older grandmas who live in communities like that in Armenia, they're always home looking over their balconies, gossipy, mm -hmm. Like, they're gossiping about all this stuff, but where were they to save me, Protect right? Me. That's yeah. a lot of rage, man, a young man has. Sure. Now, all of a sudden, you're in your 20s, mm -hmm. and you're strong, you're lifting weights. Mm -hmm. You start doing damage. It's going to be released. Yeah, 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 and I'm so, like, I, that's one of my biggest regrets, man. And so mm -hmm. today, I feel I need to live 10 lifetimes and be in service for 10 lifetimes mm -hmm. to make up for that shit, yeah. you know, I to make up for that. I think you're doing it. Well, I'll keep doing it, but but that's who I was, and so ironically, we we're talking about Tony Robbins, and so Joe Polish had this event a few months back called the Genius Network event, and he asked me to speak at it. He was, I want you to talk about entrepreneurial leadership, and Tony Robbins was on stage right before me. Tony got off, I got on stage. It was Tony and Dean Graziosi being interviewed by Joe, and then me and Craig Ballantyne got on stage, and my job was to talk about entrepreneurial leadership. I said, Joe, we've got you've got millionaires and billionaires in this room. Mm -hmm. 
they don't need to learn how to be leaders. They can hire leaders. Yeah. Let's talk about what really matters. And right there from straight stage, I went off script and I just said, look, odds are one in three of you have had some kind of emotional or physical abuse and yeah. one in four of you have had sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. And I come Whoa. from the, yeah. I saw grown men mm. squirming in their seats, looking at the exit. Mm -hmm. And by the time I flew home that night, I had six emails from the, yeah. some of the guys in there like, Pedros, where do I go from here, mm. right? Mm. Like, I believe that most of us who create wealth and money yeah. do it to create insulation and isolation from some kind of trauma. Gosh, that's so valid. And if you could just process through that trauma like I did three and a half years ago, I finally worked you with do a it? therapist. I worked with a the therapist. Okay. Dude, it was affecting my, my marriage, sure. my finances, yeah. my mindset. I would build, build, build a business, and then I would intentionally sabotage so that my back is against the wall yeah. because that's the script I live there off of. There was some mark on your identity yeah. from it, right? You I always needed back. to have my back against the wall and come out fighting, and so I yeah. put myself in that position. Today, I'm building on top of, no, no wonder why Inc. and Entrepreneur is naming us in the last three years. Yeah. Like, I thank Kevin, my therapist, for helping me process through this yeah. to get over the rage, the shame, the confusion. And as I described it to you, and he described it to me, he said, imagine if you're standing in a pool and you're holding this beach ball down yes. underwater. Yes. And he goes, that's your trauma. What an unbelievable. And at some point, a fly's gonna land on your nose or you're gonna have an itch or a scratch. And when you try and do that, the ball's gonna pop out. Mm. And Lord help you if you are in my way when that ball pops. Wow. He goes, what if we can just release the air out of that? Oh, Pedro's. love it. And we spent 16 months processing through what happened to me. Mm. And I gotta tell you, it was the most fulfilling thing to get in touch with that little boy who was me and to be able to write a letter to myself, when this is what Kevin had me do, write a letter to myself. It, between the ages of four and six, I was molested by two older boys, but today, dot, dot, dot. So he gave me that first sentence. Mm. I wrote 18 pages to that little boy. I said, today you're this, and here's who you're gonna become, and then here's how you're gonna, your life's gonna end. Wow. Like I wrote, I, I know the whole story, I know how this ends. Yeah, you should see your face change when you just told me that. You should see your face change. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now. So yeah. I'm you this because I've never really shared this on anyone's podcast. The fact that I that I actually wrote that and I know how how my journey ends. I'm the author. Like, oh, I'm not Bezos. controlled by what happened to me anymore. Oh, and I want goodness. that for everybody, man. Hmm. Uh, that's that's a lot, brother. Like, uh, thank you. Like, yeah. I want to acknowledge that, man. Like, that's you're such a big, strong, physical specimen. So for you to be that vulnerable is. Um, that's a wow, dude. Thank you for sharing that. I really, really, really appreciate yeah. that. And I know that, I know that uh, so many people listening to this appreciate it. I had, I had uh, Lewis Howes on my program. He shared a story somewhat similar, different but similar. And just the floods of people that reached out to me saying it just freed them to know that they, you giving them permission yeah. to go get help. Or it's so taboo, permission. right? It's like mm. you, you must be broken if you're going to work with a therapist. And mm. gosh, you're a business leader. You own this big brand called Fit Body Bootcamp. You, you, you don't need a therapist. No, I need the therapist most. <laughs> you need the therapist most. Uh, wow. It's like having a human pit crew who can help mm. get your head and your heart on the same page. Yeah. You're one of the, it's funny, you're, you're one of the warmest people when you first meet you. It's one of the first things I noticed about you, even your face and just your light, right? But you were sharing with me that had I met you prior to this experience, that was not the case, right? There's been this literally like a physical, yeah. spiritual, emotional transformation, true? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I didn't know what else to call it, so I called it my monster. And I remember, this is embarrassing to say, but I'm going to be fully transparent. It's yeah. the only way I know how to be. Two years into being married, God, I hope my wife did, yeah. watches your podcast. If yeah. we ever go out for dinner, this never this conversation. Okay. Well, we're going out for dinner. Okay. Um, 
two years into being married, I got in a fight with my wife, like yeah. most couples mm -hmm. do. We're just arguing over something. I don't even know what. Mm -hmm. And I put my fist through the wall, and mm -hmm. I said, don't let the monster come out, because if it does, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've got $10,000 in the bank account. That's all we have. Take that. Take this house that we just bought, we, which we couldn't even afford. We bought a tiny little house in Chino Hills at the time. And I go, I'm out of here. Like, that's how I coped with things because you're, everyone's my mortal enemy yeah. because what was supposed to be a rite of passage for a little boy mm -hmm. looking up to, by the way, that's what Kevin explained to me. He goes, knights have squires because all men look up to their fathers, their older brothers, to older boys in the community as a rite of passage into manhood. Mm. And these two older boys took advantage mm. of that mm. and hurt you. Mm. And so this is how I was now going to repay the world through anger and rage. Like, mm. I will do everything for you, but the moment you crossed me, it was over. And that's mm. not how it's supposed to be, man, because mm. one day you're gonna be late to lunch. That doesn't mean I need to like- Annihilate me. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. There was a car accident, something right. happened. I right. learned how to be human now. Yeah. Ed. Isn't it amazing that perhaps of this whole empire you've built, that it's funny how we can be used for good in the world, right? It's interesting that it may be that of all the unbelievable, and by the way, Bedros coaches some of the most successful people you all listen to their podcast, he coaches them. And so it's interesting. He's going to be coaching me today when we stop. He's, I'm, I'm here to get advice from him too. And it's interesting that of all the good you've done in that regard, that maybe even beyond all of that, that what we're talking about right now could be the greatest good you do for people just in sharing this piece of your story, man. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable what you're doing. And let's let's try to shift to business. Sure. Because it seems secondary after that conversation. But let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, because it's all your service to people, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, so in business, though, you, I feel like even prior to you going to therapy, though, you, yeah. f you feel to me like someone who's really worked on themselves. And so I think if I were betting, had I met you even the three or four years ago before this, I still would have met one heck of a higher identity guy who'd worked on himself who had kind of this mark on his identity, yes. right? I don't think, I don't think that that's you That's a could... really good way to define it. Okay. Yes, it's exactly. It, okay, that's what it seems like to me. So talk a little bit about even your, your journey because... I know guys like you, right? I have lots of friends, se several, who grew up as immigrants, really rough backgrounds. Santa Ana, for those of you that don't know, the parts of Santa Ana, it's a wonderful place, but parts of Santa Ana that Bedros is from is not white picket fences and, um, you know, rosy, uh, you know, perfect families all around him. The good the news is we did eventually move to Anaheim, which was a lot nicer. That is that. Is that. <laughs> that is that. That is that, is that right? But so you, you had that environment you grew up in, learning the language, immigrant mentality, so probably a stricter upbringing in your household than yes, other sir. people, some cultural differences too. Lots of friends like that. If you grew up in Southern California, you have friends like that, right? And so I'm curious, is, was part of you becoming you like a ferocious dedication to personal development, self-improvement? Like, Talk a little bit about that piece of your life and how important it has or has not been for yeah, you. Yeah, well, as we were talking about earlier in the other room, uh, one of my I was a personal trainer, yeah. right? After high school, I decided to become a personal trainer. And, and one of my personal training clients, his name is Jim Franco. We're still dear friends to this day. One day I asked him, I said, Jim, I'm a personal trainer and a fry cook and a, and a bouncer at a gay bar. And the reason I was at a gay bar, because they paid $4 more per hour and I needed the money. Okay. Uh, as it turns out, the reason they paid a lot more is because skinheads would come every weekend to gay bash and it was our job. Wonderful. Right? They didn't so, tell you that before they hired you? No, no. <laughs> so <laughs> the good news is that by this point I'd, fought, I'd gotten so many fights yeah, that you were equipped. I was equipped to fight, right. but I was starting to learn that I don't, I don't think I want to fight anymore because Jim Franco gave me a cassette tape from Tom Hopkins. 
Me too. I yeah. love Tom Hopkins. Right? Yeah. And he goes, listen to this Tom Hopkins cassette tape so you can learn to sell so you yeah. can get rid of your side jobs. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hopkins leads to Brian Tracy, Brian Tracy to um, Zig Ziglar, then to Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham and Tony Robbins. Before you know it, I'm learning sales and marketing and personal development and, yeah. and influence. And so I was building this side of my, my life really well. I was doing everything I could where personal development was concerned yes. to become a better entrepreneur. Yes. I chose to put that what happened to that little boy into a box, box and put it far away. Yep. And I still, till this day, I still have the gift of compartmentalizing, mm -hmm. which is probably... It is another strength. It is another strength. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is another strength, but I, I use it for good. I mean, I, you know, someone crosses me, I don't just put them in a box and put it away. These days I like to communicate. Right. Hey, Ed, why were you late? Right. What can we do about it? Et cetera, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, right. I'm nicer. That's good. Yeah. Um, for the record, you weren't right. late. It was right. just a hypothetical. Yeah. No, um, I was early. But, but anyway, all, all that said, I was very fortunate that Jim Franco helped me become a better entrepreneur soon. I didn't have my side jobs. And mm. before you know it, I had five personal training gyms, mm. and I was successful with those. Mm -hmm. And at a time, uh, this company came through and bought out my five gyms, and it was the first time I'd sold something for six figures. Okay. It's like, holy cow, like you can build and sell a business? Yep. Like I didn't even know that. I thought business is just being self-employed, right. owning a job. And so I started coaching and consulting personal trainers, okay. and I really loved coaching and consulting trainers because... I can teach them and give them the shortcuts that, that I never had. Mm. And so I would hear these trainers, man, you know, I'm making now $8,000, $9,000, $12,000, dollars $30,000 a month yeah. on reoccurring income because most personal trainers sell five, ten sessions at a time. They've got to come and resell you. Yes. My whole thing was we're going to put you on EFT, electronic fund transfer, and Big. build a reoccurring revenue. Yep. Okay. Right? So before long, I've got 43,000 customers over a 10-year period. My gosh. Yeah, who buy my courses, yep. come to my workshops and live events, et cetera. And in 2010, 11, I came up with the idea of Fit Body Bootcamp okay. and franchised it by 2012. Mm. And so I was able to go to all these customers and say, hey, look, I've created this franchise brand. Do you want to be a part of it? So it's everything about fitness, but all the systems are built in. Mm. And boom, it took off. Now, there was a lot of work involved, and I had to evolve into become a, a, a leader to be able to build a team around me. Yes. Um, and that was a work in progress. Yep. But holy smokes, How man, many of them are there? Journey. 612? Uh, 619 Fit Body Bootcamps worldwide. Yeah. 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 growing. I mean, all the time you're talking about every other month in here, you've got 20 to 40 people yeah. coming in here that you guys yeah. are training. We're adding an average of 15 to 20 locations per month. Unreal, brother. Yeah. I mean, unreal. And those of you that are in the fitness industry, if you want to build any sort of fitness practice, this is the Mac Daddy right here. This is the guy. Either getting involved with the, the Fit Body Bootcamp or are just getting coached on how to grow your practice, right? You've got all this content, all this yeah. material. This is the guy. But uh, let's talk about all entrepreneurs for a second. So you built this environment here, yeah. right? You're the leader here. What's unique when I walk around here is what I would consider to be the energy level. There's a positive energy in here. There seems to be a mutual inspiration or affection that you have for them and that they have for you and creating a culture. So all of these entrepreneurs that listen, by the way, most people that are listening that think they're entrepreneurs are actually still only self-employed, True. right? So talk a little bit about the difference between those two things. How do I go from being self-employed to an entrepreneur, and how do you as a leader create this culture here? What are some yeah. of the principles? You know, when someone is self-employed, you basically own a job, right? Which is great because no one's going to fire you. The problem is you're on 24 hours a day, and if you really do the math, you're making way less than minimum wage. Yeah. But now you've got the seed of building a business mm -hmm. and becoming an entrepreneur. And from an entrepreneur, you can replicate and multiply to becoming an empire builder, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of the three phases that I look at. You're, you're self-employed, you're an entrepreneur, then you're an empire builder. Yes. And so people always ask, just like you, well, God, the culture, the morale in here is so amazing, so it unique, is. so magical. A lot of it has to do with 
clarity of vision and clarity of path. As the leader, our job is not to just be the kind of leader that says, do it or else. Mm -hmm. That is called the have to leadership. Okay. Your employees feel like they have to do it or else the leader is going to punish me. Okay. I want to be a want to leader, right? What's the difference? How does that create? The want to leader says to their team, you see the difference? I said employees yes. and now team. You introduced right? everybody as your team, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. I just happen to be the team leader. Mm. They're my team. See, employees clock in a little late, mm. clock out a little early, yeah. do the bare minimum to maintain employment. Yeah. They're not going to take my vision mm -hmm. and bring it to 2,500 locations like I want, mm -hmm. right, by a certain date. So, whereas the team members, we have a unified goal and an outcome to win, yeah. right? So, they know what our vision is. They're clear on our vision, on our path on our deadline, mm. which the leader has to set. You have to be a leader that leads from the front, the servant leader. Mm. Like I told you about, well, about a quarter of our team members go and see my therapist. Sometimes yes. I pay for them to go see him, mm. right? Because mm. if they have hangups and they feel safe to come to me and say, hey B, I've got this issue. Mm. Uh, I don't know who else to talk to. Hey man, can I pay you to go, you can go see my therapist for a few sessions. I know I can't help you, but maybe Kevin can. That's wonderful. Right? Man. And then they start paying for it themselves because yep. if you value it, you should pay for it. Right. Right? Yep. So I, I certainly encourage them to value themselves. But it's clarity of vision, clarity of path, a deadline on when you want that vision to come true. Build a team and set high expectations. Hmm. Like we're filming in this room, but just earlier we were filming in another room. And yes. they, were all, they had everything all set up where yep. we had minimum wait time and transition time. Yes. This was all done ahead of time where we could just make everything flow quickly. Yes. A team does that. Employees would not have done that. Mm. Something would have gone wrong and mm. the camera and the, the thing and the flex capacitor. Yep. That doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. Everything is predictable. Yep. And the they, attention to detail here yes. is magnificent, yeah. Pedro. So. And so culture is built as a byproduct of a leader who leads through, from the front, a servant leader who says, look, I'm here for you. What can I yeah. do to help? Here's rope. You can build a ladder or you can hang yourself with it. Mm. But I'm always giving opportunities. Yeah. Um, and I want that because no one gave me an opportunity, man. Like mm -hmm. I had to claw for every opportunity, whether at Disneyland or wherever I worked, I, I was always like the one like, oh, you, we're not going to put you in front of the house. You're going to be a fry cook forever. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a bus boy and then a fry cook. You're not going in front of the house because wow. I had an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I want your opinions. I want your feedback. Yeah. As the founder and CEO, it doesn't mean I know all the answers. Right. My job is to make decisions. Yeah. I don't know if they're the right decisions. Give me some ideas to make decisions on. So the culture improves when I say, guys, give me feedback. If the feedback doesn't work out, that, that doesn't make it bad. I make mistakes. You guys are allowed to fail in here as well. Wow. And so they go, holy shit, man. He's yeah. okay with us failing. I remove the bumpers. It's like bowling. I remove the bumpers. If we fall in the gutters a little bit, that's okay. Wow. That's okay. And that creates a culture of they're in it. They're part of a team. They show up early. They leave late. And as a byproduct, they bleed for us and our brand, and I bleed for them and the brand that we're building. And it's a win-win all the way yeah, around. Yeah, your guys, uh, like Ed and... Drew. Drew here, Drew, when we were sitting even on the wrong side in the other studio, switched things. Like, Ed and Drew care. Like, they yeah. genuinely care. I interviewed a guy a few weeks ago, and I'm not even going to put the podcast up. And I won't say who he was, but the reason I was going to put him out is because his whole philosophy on leadership literally said to me in the interview, don't get too close to your people. Because they get too close to you that they're, they're going to take advantage of you. He must have had some experience that told him this, right? He took wrong, wrong meaning from an experience. 
And I couldn't disagree with that more. I don't think you can get too close to people. I think it's wonderful to build relationships. And you were even talking about, and I do it too, you work out with these guys, yeah. right? You're on the road, you're, you're close. They're almost, they're like family almost. They right? have, um, sometimes I see them more than family. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's part of your environment here. So step back a second. We don't have too much time, but I want to pull out of this brain of yours a little sure. bit. So there's entrepreneurs. There's really, I have, you know, there's lots of different people that follow my content, but there's a lot of fitness people. Sure. But there's also just a lot of entrepreneurs too. There's yeah. a lot of young people too, yeah. young entrepreneurs. So. If I was a young entrepreneur and I'm starting in a business, whatever, I've found my passion, I've kind of found my purpose, I want to do it, and, and I got to get in one of these coaching calls with you or one of these mentoring environments with you, give me a little snippet of what you would be telling me as an entrepreneur. Hey, listen, yeah. these are a couple things that are non-negotiable. If you're going to be successful, these couple things must be present in your life or in your business. What yeah. would they be? Yeah. First of all, the, 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 the acid test that I put them through, I go, if the thing that you're passionate about, if I took it away, if I took away the money that you can make from it, just I fed you and I made sure you had a roof over your head and your, your bills were paid for, would you do it for free? If the answer is no, then I go, this is not your passion and purpose in life. Let's go find something else. If they say yes, I would still do it for free as long as my bills and overhead was, were covered. Mm -hmm. See, I would be a personal trainer, Ed. Yeah. I would do this for free, man. Yeah. The fact that I make money helping people with our franchise, like I'm the ultimate personal trainer because of our franchise. I get to reach millions of people every morning, right? Yes. And so I would do this for free. But okay. so I serve, and as we talked about earlier, and the fact that I can build wealth while serving, happy benefit. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first asset test I ask people. So, so if they say yes, I would do this for free. This is my passion. This is my purpose. Okay. Great. Those who say I don't know what my passion and purpose is, I go, you know what? Don't look for it. It's not hidden. Develop it. Ooh. Develop it. Okay. You, my friend, you weren't good in math. You, you told me earlier yeah. you weren't good in math. It's not yeah. like you had some kind of financial certificate or degree. You were <laughs> going to go play baseball until right. you got injured, right? Right. Yes. They put you into, or you took a job, part-time job, and you weren't even that good at it, you no, said in the beginning. I wasn't. But you stuck to it, and you developed yeah. your purpose. Yes. Most people think that their purpose and passion is out there, and they haven't found it, like it's lost. It's not lost. It's not a thing that's lost. You have to develop it. Wonderful. I developed my purpose for personal training, for fitness, for health, because I was a fat kid, and I wanted to ask Nakaya out to the prom. So I spent all of senior year Nikaya working some girl out. at high school. Yes. Okay. All of so all year. of this is because of Nakaya. Nakaya is the foundation of my empire. <laughs> <laughs> True, awesome. story. True story. True okay. story. Now I lost 32 pounds the summer before senior year, and I, it changed my life, my confidence, everything. Never mind how I looked. Everyone was like, "Wow, look at you!" But I'm like making eye contact, shaking hands. Totally different. Did you get her to the prom? No, sir. You I did didn't not. have the confidence to ask her you to didn't? the prom. I didn't go to the prom. But I said, I want to be a personal trainer, not a smog technician. My dad wanted me to be a smog technician. Wow, that would yes. have been a different life. So that changed my entire trajectory in life. Wow. And so now I took that personal training thing, and I just developed it and developed it until I became the best in the world at it, mm. right? Everybody needs to develop their purpose. You need to go, is this thing that I'm doing, would I do this for free if someone else paid my Great bills? Question. If the answer is yes, then mm. that's your purpose. And then the other thing is, Give it the 10-year run. Give it the 10-year run. Thank you. People are so obsessed with, I need the outcome today. Yes. What, what is the fastest? I don't know the fastest way, but I know the surest way. Wow. Because every single person overestimates what they can achieve in a year, mm -hmm. and they underestimate what they can achieve in a decade. Agreed. Let's do a decade. And I think Tony Robbins, I heard him say yeah. that. Yeah. I think Tony Robbins said that. He did. Yeah. Give it a freaking decade. You're right. And watch what happens. Yeah. You're but right. maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the time we live in. But everyone wants it tomorrow, and yeah. I, I can't produce that as a coach. A couple things from that, just lessons that I took from it, too. So Nakaya is the catalyst. It's interesting because that was your first pursuit. You didn't get Nakaya, but it ended up turning into something else. A lot of times what happens for people is their first pursuit, they chase it. If they don't get the first thing they're pursuing, 
they don't know that that was only the first part of the journey to their real greatness, and they stop when they don't get the first thing, right? right? Nakaya was the catalyst, but that wasn't your end destination. That was a high school prom. Yeah. And someday, whatever you're chasing right now, the thing that you might have just missed is the high school prom of your life. It's a rearview mirror story. There's decades of great things that are going to happen because of this pursuit if you give it the decade. That's it. I totally give I, it the decade. I support that big time, man. Like I, I love that. And the other piece of it that I thought was profound too is about service, right? Like this seems to be like a current, like a recurring theme with you. Do you think your purpose is in somehow serving people? Like if you're to dig out your purpose that you're going to develop usually involves serving other people. Would you agree with that? For Absolutely. What, in what other industry would you be willing to wake up at 4 a.m. to meet someone cranky at 5 a.m. in the gym yeah. with their morning breath to put them through a workout and make them sweat and make them sore even though they don't want to be there? Mm. The only people that would do that are, are personal trainers, and we are the most servant people on the planet yeah. because we're willing to do that. And so, yeah, I, I, it's, I believe service is in my DNA. Mm. Shame on me for living with all that rage and not dealing with it sooner. Yeah. But I also, no one ever approached me and said, I think, young man, something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. The court system just kept shuffling me around. Yeah. But no one ever said, I think there's something wrong with you. What's going on? Here's a therapist. Even of all your mentors, because you've had great mentors in your life, they didn't see this side of you. You could keep it sort of construed. I was good, man. Yeah. I was good at camouflaging it yeah. because I was so embarrassed by it. And like, you're also producing some external results too, right? Yeah. Like you can be, that's the one thing we all, sometimes we deny issues we have because we're functional. You know, we're, we're, at least we appear to be functional. So just because certain areas of your life are flourishing doesn't mean there isn't some mark that you need to be dealing with, right? Yeah. That it could be still affecting Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So we only have a few more minutes left. Like, this is like gold, and I don't want it to stop. So I want to just go through a couple more yes, things sir. because I, I, I promised everybody I would pull some things out of your brain. So I want to continue to do that. I told you earlier that you're a world-class communicator. And at first, when I was driving here today, because I've watched your videos, I listened to you talk, and I appreciate great communicators because I'm, I'd like to think I'm working on being one myself, right? And so you're a great one, but you're being very you. modest. Well, yeah. I, I like you. I I hate hearing the sound of my own voice. Probably sure. I right? like we'll watch this back, and there'll be a million things I wish I said or did differently. But and that's always the case with me. But see, it's interesting. It struck me. I'm like, well, he's in the fitness business. I wonder why that was so important. And then I started to think about it. Is there really any business where that's not critical? So talk a little bit about. I'm sure even with your Fit Body Bootcamp franchisees, the ability to communicate with people, to yeah. persuade, to influence people to do things for their own betterment. How important has that been in your journey, and do you think it is for all entrepreneurs? I think there's some guys think, well, I'm a tech entrepreneur, so this doesn't matter. You're still going to have to market something or hire people or persuade them to join your firm. How important is persuasion, articulation, communication? It's a lost art these days, unfortunately, because we text so much. I saw, I saw a study, a video. The professor took two students from the same class, mm. college students, put them back to back in a chair mm. with, without their cell phone, and they said, communicate. And it was very awkward and clunky. Hi, hi, how are you? Good. What are you doing? Okay. Handed them their cell phones. They're still back to back. Mm. And, they, and, and you could see their screens. And they started to communicate, Ed. So with emojis, exclamation points. So verbal communication, physical communication, the art of getting your message across mm -hmm. and influencing others and painting the word picture so that they can be all in on your vision yes. is a lost art. Yes. Now, English is a second language to me. I had to great. learn this language first, then I had to learn how to communicate with it second. Mm -hmm. Everything I've wanted in life, whether it's building this franchise, networking with amazing people like you, has been an outcome of communication. Yes. I communicate through video, mm -hmm. through podcasts, through blog posts, through, through Facebook Lives. You name it, we communicate. Mm. And if we can't articulate well and draw the word picture for others to get on board the with our word message. Picture. 
That's interesting. That's what we're doing. We're drawing a word picture. We, if I say, imagine if, Ed, you're sitting in a room that looks like a library, and it looks very old-time library, with a beautiful oil painting of an amazing dog across from you, yeah. which right across the way, there's my dog. Yeah. You oh, start this man has an oil painting <laughs> in his office. So I look, I love there's pictures eat. of his family in here somewhere, I'm sure. But the, the main picture in this office that I'm staring at is of your dog uh, yeah, on the yeah, wall here. Yeah, That's yeah. with a crown on, is it Cookie. her, Ed? Cookie. Is it a her or he? Uh, it's a her. It's a her. Yeah. yeah so we're staring at Cookie. She's yeah. watched this entire interview. But imagine so if know. we weren't in this room and I said, Ed, imagine if, and I started to draw this word picture to you, yes. you would picture this room. Yes. And we need to get better at that level of communication to draw mm -hmm. word pictures because when people can see it in their mind's eye, yeah. they now com commit to it mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. and are willing to buy into your vision, your agenda, whatever your thing is. Yeah. So without communication, I believe that we are lost as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as, as teachers, mm. as, as politicians. Mm. With communication, we can lead the masses hopefully to a better place. Wow, so good, man. Like, I, I, one of the things I notice about you and your ability, by the way, I love that word pictures uh, analogy. I'm gonna steal that from you. Right, the other thing that you do really well, and I want people to hear this, because they're, they're experiencing it, but I want you to know what you're experiencing. You can't transfer energy through text or email. You can transfer information, but you can't transfer energy. You can't transfer word pictures. So one of the things you do in an exemplary way is you transfer energy. The way you communicate makes me feel something, right? Like strength, intensity, passion, empathy, whatever it is, great communicators can transfer energy to people. You can't transfer to me something that which you're not already experiencing yourself. You can't give me what you don't have. The reason you're such a gifted communicator is you're experiencing these things yourself. You've already won. You've already been successful. You already feel these things. So, and I know, by the way, I know people will probably, you know, leave, leave comments and messages, but what if I don't have the gift that he has? I, I just want to reinforce sure. to others that English was a second language yep. to me, and this is a learned behavior. Yeah. I should say something about that too because I'm using the word giftedness and so here's what I think. I think that everybody can get to a point of being super great communicators. I also think someone like you, was you were born probably with the ability to have this and you refined it and refined it and refined it. I think all humans have the ability to give energy. Some are better at doing it with a spoken word, some are better to do it with a look, some are better to do it with a touch. But we all have the capacity to transfer energy to one another. I just think one of yours is with the spoken word. I just think you're excellent. I think everybody can develop that skill. So I'm glad that you mentioned that too. So we're coming to the end. I don't want it to be. By the way, we're going to have Bedros. I don't either. I'm having such a great time. Well, I'm learning too, man, and having a great time. We're going to have Bedros back on in September because he's going to have a book coming out. And I want you all to be aware of that. But before we go, like what is on the horizon for you? So you've built this Fit Body Boot Camp that I know you've got a big aspirations for. But you've also got these other entities you're involved with, with coaching and business. Like, what's the, what are you focused on right now? What's your future plans for you? Yeah, so my future plans, is they're very focused. And yeah. it, it, when I look at it all, it's the big blanket of, of, of service. Mm. And people ask me, why are you writing a book about entrepreneurial leadership? Do you plan on coaching other entrepreneurs in the future? Probably not. We're building a pretty massive franchise here yeah. to 2,500 locations, and that takes a lot of horsepower. Yeah. But I want to put out a book mm. that I would have wanted a decade ago. Mm-hmm. That, that tells me this is exactly how it is. To be a leader, you have to be a servant leader. You have to be the, the want-to leader, not a have-to leader. Not I have to make people do this, but yep. people want to do, do this for me. You have to build a team and not employees. You have, to, you have to set high expectations, all these things. And so really, it's the growth of our Fit Body Bootcamp franchise because okay. I'm, I'm so desperate into helping people who are overweight, out of shape, and don't know what to do in the gym. People ask me, well, then why do you coach and consult other gym owners who are not Fit Body Bootcamp yeah. owners? Yeah. I go, 
They go, isn't that your competition? It's still part of your mission, though. Huh? It's part of my mission. Do you know who yeah. my competition is? My competition is McDonald's. It's Starbucks. Mm. My competition is the Snickers bar. Mm. My competition is the Cheetos. It's mm. the bags of things that say uh, gluten-free, and therefore people inhale those calories thinking yeah. gluten-free somehow means fat-free, carb-free, calorie-free. Mm. And so my competition is the food conglomerates who mm. are stuffing disease down people's throats yeah. and not personal trainers who are on their own brands or fit body boot camps competing. There are more overweight and out-of-shape people than any coach or trainer could ever touch. Mm. And I pray for the day that people are in such great and amazing shape mentally, physically, emotionally that there'll be no need for me to coach and consult the fitness industry. I can go on my merry way and coach and consult others wow. in another industry. But until then, I will help anyone in this industry because this is my purpose. I love that. Real quick before we finish, by the way, time to get up in the morning. Between 4.30 and 5. 4.30 and 5. I want everybody to hear that because you know what's really this is all built from? Freaking crazy hard work. Freaking bananas hard work, right? And like there's this new world. You talked about Tom Hopkins and then Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, right? And then I feel like today, I don't know if you feel this way, but now the new space, there's Grant Cardone, there's myself, there's you, there's Andy Frisella, there's uh, still Tony's at it, there's sure. Gary Vee, there's there's some people in this space now. Information is so accessible today, right? The, the things that you need to learn, it's really the separator's work ethic, at least at the end of the That's day it. for me. Don't you feel that way? Like, that's it. It's action. Take imperfect action, but holy hell, take action. Yeah, that's what I know. When we came in here, I'm like, this dude's a hoss. This is a brother. This guy is a get after it, get up early, crush it type leader. That's really, at the end of the day, on top of all your vision, your ability to articulate, you could have all the visions in the world, yeah. right? All the personal development in the world, all the ability to communicate in the world, but the fact is, you've just busted your ass. Have you not? Wake up and bleed for a decade and you will have whatever you want. I love it. That's such a great place to yeah. finish, man. Where do they find you so they can get more of this gold from you? Uh, best place to find me is on Instagram, um, social media, Facebook, and of course, my blog bedrosecoolian.com okay find this man i know you can feel the value brother like from the bottom of my heart thank you for open being so open thank you for sharing yes, thanks sir. for the gold thanks for the personal stories the vulnerability you're a, this man's a big spirit if you were in his presence just so you know you're a big spirit thank you. you're a force for good in the world bro you're that, a force that means for good. a lot you are man and i know this is just the beginning for you we're going to look back on this interview someday and go man that was a catalyst to a great friendship for you and i so yes, sir. So grateful for you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody, max out your lives and make sure that you rank and review the podcast on whatever platform you're watching this on. God bless you. I'm a max out. Max out, max out. I'm a max out.